Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, February 17th, and this is your FT News Briefing. China is reconsidering how much rare earth minerals it sells to the world, which could be a real problem for the U.S. And stock trading in Hong Kong is booming. We'll tell you why. Plus, the latest investment fad in the U.S. is making its way across the Atlantic. But European executives aren't listing their SPACs, or special purpose acquisition companies in London. We'll take a look at how Amsterdam is becoming the SPAC capital of Europe. I'm Mark Filipino. Here's the news you need to start your day. China is exploring the possibility of limiting how much rare earth minerals it exports. These minerals are crucial for making not just smartphones and electric vehicles, but also American F-35 fighter jets. Pentagon officials have already been concerned about their reliance on China for these minerals. To talk about why China's doing this and what it could mean for the U.S., I'm joined by the FT's U.S.-China correspondent, Dmitry Sevastopolo. Dmitry, is this retaliation of some sort? Is it a show of strength to the Biden administration? Or are there economic reasons here? What's going on? I think it's really two things. The first is that China itself has growing demand for rare earths. And so it's trying to control its rare earths industry and make sure that it maintains enough supply for its growing industry. But I think on the other hand, it's looking for ways to punish the US as Washington takes actions that makes it harder for Beijing to obtain technologies, you know, like uh, high-end semiconductors. So it's really part of a kind of an emerging technology war that we're starting to see between the US and China. And they have a, an amazing upper hand here, Dimitri. They, they control 80% of the supply of, of rare earth minerals. How did it get to be that way? So what's really interesting is that China actually only has about 30% of the global rare earth deposits. But what it's done you know, over the last couple of decades is it has kept prices really low, which has allowed it to kind of generate enough global volume that it can kind of dominate the industry. And it's also made it a priority industry for the government. And so there's a lot of state-backed investment in the rare earths industry. And at the same time, the US has taken its foot off the pedal and not invested um, as much uh, from the government. And so China has, you know, has a kind of strategic advantage that over time is now starting to play out in this way. How much could this affect US companies, both those that manufacture fighter jets but, you know, also commercial companies. I mean, I think it could have a dramatic impact if China went ahead and, and blocked all exports or, you know, a lot of exports. It's also worth bearing in mind that a lot of the rare earths that, for example, that are mined in the US and other places are often sent to China to be refined because most countries don't have refining capacity. So China really has, you know, the ball in its court here. The only thing that might limit Beijing from taking this kind of action is that it could potentially hurt the Chinese economy because there are a lot of non-defense products that are made in China. So they've got to be careful um, not to shoot themselves in the foot. And there's also the potential of you know serious backlash from the US. So it would be a big decision to do this, but it certainly would have a dramatic impact on US and European and Japanese companies if they went ahead. So how is the US responding to all this? And what could the US do to, to persuade China not to make a move like this? Well, at the moment, there hasn't been a direct response to our story because China hasn't actually done it yet. So if they go ahead and restrict exports, I think you will see a strong response from the Biden administration. I mean, what's been happening over time is the Pentagon working with Congress is trying to get more investment in the US so that US companies and miners can actually mine rare earths here in North America. 
um, and develop refining capacities so that they're less reliant on China. But it takes an awful long time. It's an expensive business. There's traditionally been a reluctance to have the government involved. But I think you're starting to see a shift. And, you know, one of the things the Biden administration is going to have to do is to decide how big a priority is this and, you know, how much industrial policy is the government going to try to introduce to tackle the problem. Dimitri Sevastopilo covers U.S.-China affairs for the FT. Thanks, Dimitri. Thanks, Mark. In financial markets, one of the hottest new investment products in the U.S. is gaining traction in Europe. I'm talking about SPACs, or Special Purpose Acquisition Companies. They're basically shell companies that are listed on an exchange with the sole purpose of raising cash from investors. And that cash is then used to acquire other companies to eventually take public. Now, European executives are jumping onto the SPAC wagon, but they're not listing their blank check companies in London. No, Amsterdam is becoming the place for SPAC listings. We talked to the FT's markets reporter, Nico Asgari, about what's attracting SPAC executives to the Dutch capital. Firstly, it has this reputation of being home to more international companies than perhaps the Paris and the Frankfurt exchanges. And secondly, it really closely follows the SPAC listing rules of the US and the flexibility, which is essentially what everyone is trying to copy. In Europe, you see the SPAC boom, craze, frenzy, whatever you want to call it, um, happening. So Niku, why not set up these SPACs in London? Is London losing out because of Brexit? Is there another reason? What's going on? Well, this isn't a Brexit issue. In the UK, a SPAC is considered as a reverse takeover. So when the SPAC company finds what it wants to acquire and merge with, the shares of the SPAC are suspended. And this is a real problem for investors who perhaps they don't like the company that they want to merge with and they want to take their money out. This is called your redemption right. And in Amsterdam, you can take your money out, you can redeem your cash and just move on if you didn't like the company. But in the UK, you can find your investment stuck in this suspended SPAC for an indefinite amount of time. This is just a structural listing rule in the UK. But um, unless it gets changed or tweaked, bankers and lawyers and companies looking to perhaps list a SPAC in the UK will simply go elsewhere. But although it's not a Brexit issue, it does play into this wider story of London losing out to Amsterdam, whether it's um, Amsterdam now becoming Europe's top share trading hub or euro derivatives trading moving from London to Amsterdam. All of these things are not good for London. Why are SPACs so popular with high-profile investors? Yeah, so in Europe, the most high-profile name is one of the world's richest men, um, the founder of LVMH, Bernard Arnault, and the former Unicredit chief executive, Jean-Pierre Moustier, who this week said that they are launching a SPAC listed in Amsterdam to invest in European financial companies. And they join a long list, especially of former bank chief executives. You've got Tijan Tiam and Martin Blessing, all former chief executives of banks who have already joined this SPAC race. That's the FT's markets reporter, Nico Asgari. Another global financial hub is seeing a surge in stock trading. It's Hong Kong. Figures for this year so far show that trading volumes there reached almost 60% of those at the New York Stock Exchange, and four times the trading volumes on the London Stock Exchange. Behind the surge, high-profile listings like Kwai Show, 
That's the Chinese viral video app that raised nearly $5.5 billion on the Hong Kong stock market earlier this month. Plus, mainland Chinese investors are able to buy and sell shares in Hong Kong through programs that connect Shanghai with Shenzhen. The FT did the math, and so far this year, these investors have used the link-ups to purchase a net of about $49 billion in Hong Kong-listed equities that compares with about $8 billion a year ago. Before we go, some funny business. The famous Chicago comedy group Second City has launched big-name stars like Steve Carell and Tina Fey. But like other live entertainment venues, the group has been hit hard by the pandemic. Second City went up for sale in October, and now sources tell the FT it's in advanced talks with the private equity firm owned by Strauss Zelnick. Zelnick is best known as the CEO of the video game company that produces the Grand Theft Auto series. The potential deal to buy Second City could be worth about $50 million. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.